Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. happened since we gathered for candlelight this time last year. COVID lingers. Russia invaded Ukraine. Queen Elizabeth died. High inflation returned. Extreme weather has become commonplace. Shockingly, the Royals missed the playoffs. There have been good things, too. Things certainly feel a bit more normal this Christmas season than they did last Christmas. Some have been able to travel. Some have gotten new jobs or have gotten married or gotten a degree or welcomed a child. There's also been grief and loss. A lot's happened since we gathered last for candlelight. And I don't know what will happen in 2023, but I imagine it'll be a lot like 2022, a year of beauty and a year of brokenness. And somewhere along the way, it will be helpful to remember that the truth of this night is for you. This is the night we remember that the heart of God took on flesh Because God could not bear to be away from the world that God loves. God could not bear to be away from you. There's a holy love that calls you by name. And I don't know everything that's going to happen in the year to come, but I imagine there will be a time when you will be grateful if you can remember that the truth of this night is for you. Uh, The story in my family is that when my grandfather was born, he slept in an open drawer in the bureau in the bedroom. He slept there until his father finished the crib that he was building. It took longer than he expected, so when my grandfather arrived, they just weren't quite ready. I don't know if a drawer is better than a manger, but I do know this. Luke simply cannot tell the story of this night without the manger. He says that Mary laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. The angels tell the shepherds, you'll find him in a manger. And when the shepherds arrive, 
They find him in a manger. Three times Luke mentions this detail. It's a detail he does not want us to forget. And if I understand the text, Luke keeps repeating the details of the manger because it tells us something of who Jesus is. After all, the angel said the manger is a sign. A sign of what? It says he was in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. It reads a bit like Joseph and all of the and all of the goings on forgot to make his Airbnb reservation. It was a problem of logistics. That's the way it reads. But it was more than that. We pretty quickly recognize that no matter what night it is, no matter what city it is, there's not going to be much room for this child. He just doesn't fit in very easily. You see, every culture has its order, its ways. There are things that we do and ways that we do them, and you do them long enough, you assume that's the way things ought to be done. But he kind of comes from a different culture. Uh, I, I did some study at Yale Divinity School. It was an enjoyable experience for Carol and me. My daughter, Sarah, she uh, didn't put that together until she was early in high school. She said, Dad, you went to Yale? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, but I, I thought Yale was for smart people, Dad. And I said, well, generally, but they'll let anybody in the Divinity School. Well, well one day I was taking a walk. It was winter time. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon, so it was getting dark. And uh, I learned that Connecticut is a long way away from my southern roots, and not just in geography. I was taking a walk, and I saw this gentleman shoveling some snow on his walk. And so I did what I do. I held up my gloved hand and said, good afternoon. He stopped and looked at me and said, what? I said, afternoon, good afternoon. Do I know you? I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Do you need something? No, no I, I, I was just saying good afternoon. He said, I'm trying to get some work done here. I should have said, I'm sorry. I come from a far and distant land called Carolina, and, and, and there it's okay to be friendly to strangers. On the right circumstance, we'll even wave at cars that pass by. We all have our ways, and what Luke knows is that our ways, they don't always align with the ways of this child. Jesus seldom fits in easily with our ways. He comes with the mind and heart of God. So his thoughts on justice and the sacrifice that it requires seems demanding to us. His thoughts on forgiveness and the offensiveness of grace, it, it, it's not like our thoughts. His unfailing practice of seeing the good, even in those who hate him, it's not like our way. We struggle to make room for such a life. He was in a manger, for there was no room for him in the end, yes. But there was often no room for him. Being born in a manger is not just a location. 
It's a sign, the angel said. It's a word to us. This manger tells us not simply where Jesus slept, but it tells us something of who he is. Some biblical scholars say the manger is actually a sign of poverty. No crib for a bed. It's not hard to get a crib, actually. I haven't done one, hadn't done that in a long time, but it's not that hard to get one. If you, you can get one for less than $100 if you shop right. Of course, if you want something special, you can go to buybybaby.com. That's B-U-Y-B-U-Y, baby.com. They'll sell you a, 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 a quite a special crib for well over a grand. There's also spoiledrotten2.com. They used to sell a perfectly gaudy crib for about $3,000, but I checked this week, and they no longer sell cribs. I guess 3000 was a bit rich even for the spoiled rotten ones. My friend Jim is a crib maker, not professionally. He was a preacher by day, but he tinkered in the wood, wood shop. When his first grandchild was on the way, he made a crib. It was only when the second grandchild was on the way that he realized that he had gotten himself in trouble because grandchildren started coming quickly, and he was spending a lot of time making a lot of cribs. Not one of them would you find on spoolrotten2.com. They are far too valuable for that their making was a labor of love. Nesting and preparation for a child is it's how we prepare to welcome a little one. But Mary and Joseph could afford no such luxury. Poverty removes you from some of the basic practices of being family. He was born in a manger, no crib for his bed. The truth is we don't really know how poor Mary and Joseph were, but we do know that Jesus was obsessed with the poor. In his first sermon, he said, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor. He taught his followers to treat the least of these, he called them, like they were his family because they were. He taught his disciples that Following him without a practice of generosity is about as easy as trying to live without breathing. He said, animals have nests and dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The plight of the poor never left his mind and heart. I guess when you begin your life in a manger, it's the kind of experience that sticks with you. It informs how you see everything. For most of us, me included, tomorrow will be an explosion of boxes and bows, and it will be joyful, and it should be. But the one in the manger will be thinking, among others, of the three million children displaced in Ukraine, for example, displaced or living in apartments that have no heat. Because Jesus taught us to be concerned for the poor, We here at Village have given some money to help meet the needs of those displaced Ukrainians. Presbyterians collectively have given over $8 million to provide aid to Ukrainian refugees, mostly women and children fleeing the war. Jesus never forgot that he was born in a manger. Luke didn't want us to forget it either. 
it would help us be attentive to the poor. The angel said the manger was a sign, a sign of Jesus' poverty, probably, at least a sign of his concern for the impoverished, a, a sign of the lack of hospitality the world displayed for him, no doubt about that, making room for him has never been easy. But a manger is, is more than this, it's so obvious I almost missed it. You know what a manger is, right? It's, it's a feeding trough. He was laid out there to feed us. He did that literally at times. He fed 5,000 in the desert. He called Zacchaeus, the guy up the tree, to come down, said it's time to go to lunch. He had lunch with Levi, the tax collector, and all the respectable people stood outside, shocked that he would eat with just about anyone. He set the table for the poor and the outcast. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to anybody who was hungry. He would feed his followers literally, but a literal read of the text is almost always a read that's too small. Mother Teresa once said, being unwanted, unloved, forgotten by everybody is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. Here's how I understand what God was up to in the birth of this baby. He was not only feeding us, but he was teaching us what we're really hungry for. And more than anything, our hunger is to be loved, to belong to know that we have place in this world. That's the message of this night. God took on skin because God could not bear to stay away from this world that God loves. God could not bear to stay away from you. That's why he came. My friend Michael is a retired pastor now, but he was pastor of the Brick Church in New York City, and he said, one time, he and his wife, Terry, and their three children, small children, they were traveling and they were navigating the crushing crowd of Grand Central Station in New York. They were keeping up with luggage, trying to make their way to the ticket counter, but somehow their young son, Benjamin, ventured in a different direction and got separated from the family. In an instant, he was nowhere to be seen. Security was called. Look for a preschooler with brown hair, they said. The station was scoured. It was a nightmare. After a seeming eternity, Michael saw the back of Benjamin's head. He began running to him in the midst of Grand Central Station, calling his name, Benjamin, Benjamin. He said, Benjamin turned around and said, yes, I'm here. Michael said, son, we've been looking for you. We didn't know where you were. We were trying to find you. I'm so sorry it took us so long. Weren't you frightened? And Benjamin said, no, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. Benjamin had already learned that love shows up. I don't know what this coming year will bring to you and to this world. It's likely to have a lot of beauty in it, 
It's guaranteed to have some brokenness in it as well. It'll be a mixture of joys and sorrows. That's the way the walk of life is. But no matter what awaits, we don't need to be afraid. Not anymore. For Christ has come. He has come for you. The love of God called you by name because God cannot bear to be away from you. I don't know when, but there'll be a time when it'll be important for you to remember that the truth of this night is for you. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.